Hello listeners and welcome back to Songs in the Key of Life, where each episode we spend time with a different person, any person from anywhere, to find out what are their top five songs of all time and why have they chosen them. I'm Al Reed and today I'm with a chameleon, dancer, choreographer, sculptor, you name it. Gerard, welcome to Songs in the Key of Life. G'day Al. As I will inevitably ask all guests, before we get into the tracks and why you've chosen them, how brutal was only choosing five? <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Uh, you know, it's, I got the top two or three, and then I was divvying up the last 15, you know, right. the next 15 kind of thing. I don't know whether, yes, this is definitely not a talk about the ones I didn't choose, is it? So I could, I could tell you the ones I didn't choose, and we could talk about, you know, the... Uh, uh, what, uh, people's favourite, you know, <laughs> I could go on about all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, there are songs in there that, um, uh, uh, maybe I'll mention this one thing, but um, we won't, don't need to talk about the actual piece of music. Um, my brother died when I was a teenager. I had an older brother. And there's one particular song that reminds me of him as soon as I even hear it being mentioned. Mm. Uh, but it's not a favourite song of mine or anything like that. And But that was sitting really high on the list and I ended up cutting it out because it's not about what I want for the rest of my life, yeah. Sure. That's a good thing to share, so thank you. All right. First track that you're going to share with us, uh, I think many people will be familiar with the tune but not know where they've heard it mm-hmm. and in what context. So tell us what is it, who's the composer and, and why? It's called Claire de Lune. It's uh, the third movement from a, a suite by French composer Claude Debussy. It's called Suite Bergamasque. Um, I don't really know what that means, but I think actually it's a dance. Uh, Bergamasque is sort of a dance, but inspired by a region in Italy called Bergama or something like that. I did a little bit of research. Um, that's as far as I got, and I kind of don't care. I mean, it's not it's not relevant to me why I like the music. Of course, um, the third movement. Um, Claude, uh, Claire de Lune is utterly gorgeous. I find it so lush. I find it so appropriately beautiful in a way, <laughs> compositionally beautiful. It it rolls um, along and almost invents walking. It almost invents its own pace because it starts so slow and things aren't landing in a 4-4 or 2-4 or anything like that. They're, um, they're evolving as they go. And so it becomes this, it becomes sort of like... Um, a beautiful piece of nature for me, the, the piece of music itself. There's something, like it's very sweet in parts, but it's also a little more sinister in parts as well, I found. Like it's doesn't, it doesn't have all the same mood throughout. It takes you on a bit of a journey. Oh, absolutely. And there, there's, there's a couple of movements within it, you know. So the yeah. first movement is, is sort of as I was describing, it evolves. It creates a pace and it's all its chord, you know, sort of tonal progressions, um, it establishes itself. And then it feels like it goes into a canter, but it, it's not, you're, you're removed from the idea of walking at that stage and you feel like you're flying or, or like you're uh, floating. Floating, you know, yeah. You know, it's like, it feels like, like you're on waves. And, um, and this, is, this is a piano piece, so it's like two-handed work. What I find interesting is that there's some beautiful beautiful orchestrations of it as well. And in fact, one that um, I remember hearing it in a movie 
soundtrack and went, oh my God, they're using this. Oh, so satisfying. Yeah. And, you know, the movie's <laughs> take it or leave it. It's um, Ocean's Eleven. Yes, it is. Right at the end. Yeah, right at the end. Exactly. They're looking they're at, at the, That's yeah. right. So satisfying. Yeah. It's, it's use, you know, in, in the context. And I looked that up. It was, it's obviously uh, Ocean's Eleven, but also Frankie and Johnny in, in the early 90s. Fantasia back in the 40s. Did they use it? Yeah, right. And, um, and Man on Fire in the early aughts. So it's had a good run. Uh, so that's probably where most people will be familiar with it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that Bellagio scene with the the fountains at yeah. the end is kind of that's that's very memorable. Have you ever danced to that? Is, have you seen that yes. being danced to? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's been used in ballet in a ballet context a lot. Um, to professionally, like on a large scale, I may not have seen, or maybe I have. I, 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 it's it's also one of those things. It's a crime to make a dance to because. Mm. Um, it's way too beautiful by itself, or way too substantial by itself, to be distracted with moving bodies. Although doesn't it need augmentation. It does not. But I, although I completely understand yeah. how anyone would be driven. You can see movement in it. Oh, absolutely! Like you can feel movement in it. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Great. Great opening salvo. So, what's your next one? Um, my next one is um, uh, <laughs> a, a song that I kind of always can dance to and um, his little recurring theme I think probably coming up for all the pieces that I've chosen um, that there's almost something uh, existential in in it uh, that I can find in the lyrics um, right. I don't know how intentional it might be but uh, so it's called All My Friends by LCD Sound System at the centre of the whole song is this piano motif Yep. that just rolls and continues and continues. And it goes for like seven and a half minutes or something. Song. Yes. So it just keeps going and going and going and going. Um, and it it drives, it pulls you, it um, uh, it makes me tap, it makes me get up, makes me dance. If I heard ever heard that on a dance floor... You're I'd up and about. Oh. Yeah, and, yeah. and also, I, I saw them live a couple of years ago and that was just awesome. You know, like when yeah. they did that, it just it brings the house down. Um, but the song is sort of about... Um, it's, I think it might be a little, be a little bit about 90s lifestyle. Like, you know, um, it's the, we're all, uh, the song sort of goes through, um, we're doing this in the middle of the night, we're going to do this all the way through, this is what life is now. Yeah. Um, and um, and it, I've made all these bad decisions, but I wouldn't trade <laughs> them. And and so where are all my friends? Where are all my friends? Come on, where are all my friends? And it's a, re- it's a really, you know, it's a call to friendship. So yeah. Well, I felt listening to it that, I was in London in the 90s. So I know it's a 2007 track, but... And it, a New York band, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, that's just, that's where I was at the time. And you're like, okay, well, it's 3 a.m. And, and that comes on and you're like, oh, we've got you know many more hours to go tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it had that vibe about it. But also it's it's interesting in that it's 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 kind of poppy, but it's also very dance, as you say. Because like mm. you get a minute and a half before there's a lyric. But once yeah. a lyric comes in, it, you, can, you can almost hear a bit of... A pop tune in there. Totally. And that lyric also, um, I think it's, um, that's where it starts, is the first line. And it's like, oh, we've already been hearing him singing. No, we haven't. Like, there's something like he's fallen into halfway through a sentence and, and then keeps going. And then the lyrics pretty much continue all the way through. Um, uh, where, did, where do you reckon you first heard it? Uh, oh, um, it wasn't that long ago, actually. Right. Um, I first heard it when there were... So LCD Sound System made a couple of albums and then they split up. And they kind of got back together again and did a little bit and I don't know what they're doing now. Um, 
but there was a documentary made of uh, their official last show of that first breakup at Madison Square Garden and there was a film and I remember seeing the trailer for it and uh, hearing that song going, what the hell is that? And uh, just watching the way it, you know, compels an arena to dance but I don't know, it feels it feels like a, a I know this sounds perhaps ridiculous, it feels like a call to arms, you know, in a way. It feels like a, um, a coming together song. Yes. Um, for me, and especially that's what it feels, that's what it means to me. And so I, I actually used that a little bit to get in a vibe, like, uh, sure. you know. Um, Work-wise or anything. Yeah, going out. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. It's a great, it's a great um, vibe setter, but it also is a, I feel like it's a journey. Like it, it does reach a peak. It, go, it climbs to a peak and it kind of. Holds you there. Holds you there. But that yeah. that that takes you back to the the rave kind of culture and the, the you can that's why you can sort of hear it in that in that context because mm. it you know it's like build 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 hold 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 mm. that which is you know what that music so often designed for. Well, interestingly, I used to be in the dance party scene, the rave culture in Melbourne, and um, I was wondering whether or not an electronic track would appear in my lists because um, I used to listen to a lot of it. Uh, and this is a band. You know, yeah, this yeah. is live drummers, live, th- but they're like kicking a four-four, you know, yes. dance beat the whole way through it, and uh, so that's the attraction for me is that, it, yes, as you said, it's kind of a bit pop, but it's um, it's uh, it's a dance beat, it's a dance song in a way. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's a crowd pleaser, but it has a little bit of something for everyone, I'd say. <laughs> awesome. All right, uh, before we go to the next track, not only why and who is it and so forth, but but of all of their tracks, how how do you narrow this one down? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have a crack at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the title of the track is yeah. uh, "How to Disappear Completely" by Radiohead. Track four or something. I used to not listen to rock music. I went through a phase, you know, when I was a dancer. Um, I and and especially when I was doing the whole underground, you know, rave scene. I went through this whole movement of just ignoring rock and roll music, sure, like band music, and it was almost an unspoken philosophy of my own. Yeah, you've moved on from that. You're Maybe a, I thought you're that was above all, it or below it or well, whatever yeah, it precisely. is. Precisely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, I got to, uh, I was on a tour in regional Victoria and I heard, read some reviews about this new band in the UK and they weren't that new but, you know, of, uh, and particularly this album called OK Computer and it was yep. like redefining rock kind of, a, that was the way it was. I went, oh, it's kind of worth listening to. So I bought the album OK Computer and it had only been released a year or so. Fell in love with it yeah. and just went, oh, my God, these, are, these, guys, these guys are proper songwriters. Yeah, proper yeah. songwriters. Again, there's a renaissance. Um, and, and musical composition. Oh, extraordinary. And, like, they, they know how, how to be spare. And, and production oh, and absolutely. arrangement and everything, yeah. 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 Um, so, again, a compositional love, uh, yeah. appreciation. But it was the late 90s, maybe, and uh, I was painting my house and I was going through a relationship thing and I listened to a lot traveling overseas as well and I just that song has just never left me for its substantial um uh it's like a massive massive warm blanket um again now the existential sort of part of the lyrics the significance for those for me I mean I can I can (laughs) I can find a lot of meaning in kind of a very small amount of stuff (laughs) sure so so the songs the lyrics are something like you know I'm not here um uh, I'm already gone. The moment's already passed. Yeah. Um, and I think at the, I think at its heart, it's kind of saying to you, uh, it's, it, there's, there's a couple of things. It's, like, it's sort of asking, what if I wasn't here? Mm. And I don't think it's in the 
grand scheme of how I could make myself not be here anymore. Yes. Um, but more like, uh, how would your life be with me not in it? So there's a bit of that going on. I think that's a fascinating concept. Also, I want, I think it's also a little bit about um, selflessness. I think it's actually a song a bit about selflessness. In uh, what way? Again, if I, like, you could live your life completely without me happily. And I am happy to concede that. Yes. And I think that that's a massive move. That's a massive move to, uh, to kind of be confronted by, but to admit and to hold. So I think, but amongst the song, it's, it, it's so beautiful. I just find it all, it's chord progressions and the way the bass just like yeah. boom, boom, bounces up and down. It's so gentle. There is this weird ominous undertone though. Which is common for Radiohead tracks. Common for Radiohead, <laughs> yes, that's right. Which is sort of like a, an insecty string, high-pitched strings and and it just like sits there for maybe the first half of the song. Um, or maybe it's there for all of it, but it's most noticeable in the first half. Well, in the first half, the, the instruments are very much in the background and, and vocals are up front, but then the instrumentation sort of emerges more yeah. and it com- becomes more balanced. It's, it gets, kind of becomes epic. Yeah, yeah. It, gets quite, it builds and builds. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's beautiful. It, I, I can't sing, but I feel like it's in a key that I could if I ever was trained. <laughs> Great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's one of those songs. I think um, everyone can sing, actually. It's just training. Oh, I, I don't disagree. I can, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so Tom York's your guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I've been... And yes, yeah, so, and look, so I've followed all of Radiohead's stuff since. And you're right. Can, so, so back to your first question. <laughs> <laughs> There's a number of songs on, um, on uh, In Rainbows that could have landed... Sure. There. There's probably something from OK Computer. There's probably something else from Kid A and from Amnesia. Um, uh, yeah, so you're right. It's really, really hard with them. But I, it would have been... It, I did feel like it would be criminal for me not to have chosen a Radiohead song. There you go. Be on the list. Yeah, great. Okay, next one. I, I wasn't familiar with this one. Uh, and there's many parts to it. It's very... And I, I hate using this word, but it's quite haunting... Uh, tell us about it. What is it? Why? Um, so, uh, Estonian composer Arvo Pert, is how you pronounce his name, I'm led to believe. Um, is, As opposed to Arvo Part. Arvo Part, which is kind of the way you read it <laughs> off the page, yeah. Uh, and the piece is called Tabula Rasa. I remember hearing this first, it would have been the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, early, mid 90s maybe. Um, I was hanging out with some of my best, best buddies who were musicians as well as uh, performers, but we came across this recording of... Uh, so the album was called Tabula Rasa, and the work Tabula Rasa itself is in two movements, and it's towards the end of the album. Um, it's all Arvo Pett's um, composition, and the whole album is. And the beginning couple of tracks, actually, uh, I, I, so I find it strange calling compositions like this tracks... It's weird, isn't it? Sure. Maybe I'll say compositions. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, compositions. Uh, one of the first ones is a um, is a piece called Fratres, and um, I'm not talking about Tabula Rasa just yet, but I'll get there. Um, <laughs> right. But it's got Keith Jarrett, um, the the well known improvisation pianist, along with um, a, a violinist called Gideon Kramer, I think, and they it's a um, duo between them, and it's amazing, and that's the opening part of the album. Move on down to Tabula Rasa and. Uh, I don't know actually who it was initially composed for, but in this version, I think there's 12 cellos. Um, so it's, you know, deeply haunting string work. Yeah. Um, 
it has everything for me. It has all the sorrow, pain, and hurt that the futility of life imposes upon us. Yeah. But it more, also, more existentialism for you. More, way more. Uh, yeah, just layering thick for me. <laughs> layers thick. We're, we're, it's time. emerging. <laughs> um, and but also the sense of um, relief that going through that feels. I feel like. Uh, I, d- I really don't like to evoke this much, and it's for no real reason. But you know, I, 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 I wonder. I think a lot of the grief in my body it comes actually from the passing of my brother from that long ago. Of course. And there's this. Um, uh, I feel like I can tap this. This work in particular can pull all of that to the surface, and I never as masochistic as that myself I never want to be relieved of that actually I kind of want to always be able to um, tap into it be maybe. consumed by that and yeah so this work does that so in the first movement um, there's uh, and tabula rasa as a concept I think is about being born again or being you know mm. um, uh, from a from a um, plain uh, what's it called um, plain slate a free slate um, whatever it's called um, uh, but and so the first piece has these sort of rolling loops, and they slowly get longer and longer and longer and longer, um, and then it you know screeches to a halt, sort of a thing. And then the second work, um, super duper soft, and it builds up, and it's and it's got again, it's full of sort of loops of um, motifs, and um, but over the course of like ten minutes or something. It, cellos some of the instruments disappear and they disappear and as the loops keep kind of going 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 instruments going all the way down to just one string on a cello moving and it's so ridiculously satisfying yeah and if any instrument's going to pull that off kind of the cello's the one don't you reckon oh absolutely it's got it's you know and rightly so it's used in soundtracks and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah doesn't it it's got that um it's got that uh, I am by myself in this world, and all of my despair is all I've got. And you know, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, uh, you started it's off, a wholesome one. <laughs> yeah. You start off talking about your brother and, and having not getting a track in for him, but I feel like this might be the track for him. Well, yeah. Um, and yet, all of my memories that go with this music are from a period of time where he was no longer alive and when I first found this piece of music. and um, yeah, all of my memories actually go to a couple of people. Actually, I think about them when I think of, when I listen to this music. They're some of the first images I get. Um, end of a period of time, actually, a period of time where I was appreciating composition and beauty and um, you know, very artful things uh, at an early stage in my own artistic development. But I sort of wonder if, you know, songs can be literally take you to a place and a time, but they can also take you to an emotion that's not related to that place and time. Absolutely. I think uh, just the other night I watched uh, um, on the Australian Chamber Orchestra website, they have what they call a studio cast where they must have made a bunch of um, works for consumption during COVID um, and they're all standing, all the strings um, and... It's some beautiful big backdrops of waves rolling and all that's incredibly um, evocative, and they do tabula rasa and 
just watching them do it, it's yeah. Oh, it, it, I mean, be very I, visual, wouldn't oh, it? I know. I remember I had a ticket to see ACO at the beginning of COVID, and they were doing this, yeah. and then it got cancelled. Okay. You know, so um, watching it live by a by a, a collective, a like chamber orchestra, for instance, yep. is just stunning. And yeah, again, it's one of those things where I can I know how people will be compelled to perform to it, to choreograph to it, and all that kind of stuff. But oh, I kind of want to leave that and just it's got to be. It's most affecting to me that way, anyway. It's an island. Great. So we're just gonna we're gonna finish up with the fifth on a really upbeat, funky note. Mm. Tell us about the fifth song for your list. Um, so in in landing here, I was you know there was again there was a zillion songs that could have landed on the fifth, but this is a song. So it's Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Always a dance floor favourite of mine. So, and I needed on this list more dancing, more yeah, yeah. actual groove and and that kind of thing. In this song, and I was in a way I was looking for this in so many songs to land on the fifth spot of the list. But syncopation, right? It's the clavichord or something that he's playing, the keyboardy thing. Yeah. Um. It, there's a lot of uh, 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 uh. so there's a lot of syncopation in the, yes. in the writing of it, and it's. Damn funky. I find it one of the funkiest riffs. Yeah, so its danceability was at the, the kind of the core of why I like this. But one of the other one of the things I loved about this song when I first heard it when I was a kid was um again I go to the lyrics. What's it, what's it about? Why did the songwriter write this? Yeah. And uh, I don't know how intentionally deep he was with his lyrics sure. on this. But you know, he's saying if you're superstitious, it gets in the way. Right. You know, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. And I, I actually went through a bit of a, I think, a, well, a very big existential shift when my brother died as well. But um, the, I guess I created a bit of a personal philosophy myself is that is that we are not bound by anything other than nature. You know, we're, we're colliding into each other purely as physical, natural beings. And mythology you know, even I I've, I've stopped believing in that actually because of that massive thing that occurred to me. Sure. And so I, it was a this song was an example of a song which had a um, a good directive as a human. Yeah. And I thought, oh, songs can be practical tips for life. <laughs> <laughs> By Stevie. By Stevie Wonder. Thank you, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. So it, and I and there was I think it was the first introduction to me where songs could not could have a humanity. Lesson in them. It's yeah. terrible. That's not the way of saying it, but do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but, mm. but at the same time, just get you up on the floor and, oh. and have a have a good time. Yeah. So, um, dip, double, triple whammy for me. Um, yeah. I, I love I love the opening to this song. It's like the drums and then the, the following instrument, which which would normally be a guitar. I don't know if it is a guitar mm. or if it's the clavichord that's mm. going on, but it's 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 has a tiny little riff before it kind of gets into the groove. It's almost like you know doing a shuffle before you enter the room, kind of yeah. like Kramer on Seinfeld. You know, you're <laughs> okay, and now we're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's re- you're like, oh yeah, I've got to be part of this yeah. straight away. Yeah, no, it's incredibly inviting. I, I challenge anyone to not find it funky. I mean, geez. So we've got the five. Uh, did you did you look at them and go, oh, is this the right reflection? Did you curate them at all, or was just fully just I need these fives in here? I was wondering about the order that they're in. And I kind of go, that's how they came. That's how they came in permanence to being on the list. So yeah. 
fine. That's I'm just going to leave that because it's nice to end with superstition. Yeah. And I think that Claire de Lune's a great opener. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So there's a little bit of curatorial going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I think as a so here's and here's a here's one idea about the again why all five together. Yeah. If they if I if all music was robbed of humanity, and uh, these would be probably the five I'd want to remember the most. Yep. And return to, or if it's that silly concept, if if I was stranded on an island and I only got to take five songs with me, yeah. I'd want these five because they'd give me enough. Emotional scope, kind of philosophical scope, moods, me, moods, yeah, to keep me, yeah, uh, to keep me human, maybe sane, sane as well. <laughs> Sanity's a, there's a bit of a bonus. Yeah, <laughs> very good, Drive man. Thanks for sharing. That was awesome. Great Pleasure. top five. Hey, thanks for having me. And remember, the Spotify playlist of Gerard's Top 5 will be the episode notes of the show. Don't forget to subscribe. Give us a cracking rating. Five stars or more would be delightful. This has been Songs in the Key of Life. Thanks for listening. What was the first album you ever bought? Um, uh, the first Don't be embarrassed album. if it's... No, no, no. It was a, one of the Kiss ones, I think. Ah. Um, I can't remember which one it was. But the first CD I ever bought was a compilation, and it was something like... 92 it's on or it's hot or something I can't remember I but mean, it had but it had um, uh, new kids on the block and it had boom crash opera and 